Bob Internet, Druig sucks. My name is Matthew Kroll. And we just got BTS to do a cameo. I am Matt from Nando V Movies. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Eternals. And Ooh. and everybody, the voice you just heard was obviously not our intrepid uh, cinephile Shahir Dowd. He could not see Eternals. Uh, so I have I have enlisted more cinematic friend big guns uh, in my in my in my own pantheon in the pantheon of discussing Ooh. film. Uh, not mine, just the greater one. Please welcome uh, my co-host for today, the host and mastermind behind the phenomenal YouTube channel Nando V Movies, where among other things he discusses the importance that one small change can make to a film. Matt, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I I don't want to. I feel like the listeners may be a little sad because BTS isn't here, but they I hope they know <laughs> that is from the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't get BTS, so when I couldn't, I instantly just called you. That's fair. Uh, I know. listen to some BTS. I know who they are more than I know most current musicians. It's my it's my one blind spot, but every so often I I go like these kids are fun. This is fun. <laughs> I don't there know. Was, well, we'll get into all of the different sort of um not throwaway lines, but weird like setting up that this takes place in the actual world lines yeah. of the Eternals in a little bit. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I've been a fan of your stuff for a very long time. We've worked together. You wrote one of our extra credits episodes, and now uh, to get to discuss a film with you here will be uh, quite the quite the uh, lovely time. So thank you again. Oh, of course. I'm I'm so excited to talk about this weird little movie. That yeah, is... weird weird big movie. I, I yeah, don't... weird big big is definitely yeah. Um, so real quick up top, just if for people that aren't familiar uh, with your channel, what uh, what sort of what how would you describe your channel in the sort of elevator pitch sense? And then also, how did it even come about? Like, wh- how did you start wanting to talk about this stuff and, and basically uh, do what you do? Sure. Well, my so the channel is called Nando V Movies, and it's just like me uh, making videos about movies. A lot of them focused around, like you were saying, like making changes or rewriting bits and using popular movies as a vehicle to talk about different storytelling or or screenwriting or structural you know things like that that are interesting uh I feel like whenever I've whenever I've read books about screenwriting or anything like that I always think it's kind of helpful and then they relate it to Die Hard or Star Wars and then I go like oh I actually understand this now so I do think there's something to that to you know meeting people where they are as, as cool as it is to talk about Chinatown and stuff like that um you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of cultural uh, consistency when it comes to these movies, so uh, I, f- I find that helpful in um, in talking about bigger picture things. Yeah. Uh, as far as when when I made the channel, it was like back in I think the channel first video was 2016, and I used to have a podcast or still do, uh, but it was a different podcast where we would end up talking about movies, things like that. That I started with a friend from college that was just kind of we want to keep talking you know have like hangouts once a week so Mm -hmm. we would do the podcast um and i remember having conversations about things like batman v superman when that came out and uh suicide squad when that came out and then uh having similar conversations with other people and then they were like you've got to stop talking about this with us we've talked about (laughs) spider-man enough like we're done so i was like well i guess what i could do is take this and give it to the internet and see if they have any interest in it so you know, made videos about like Civil War was was all the rage in 2016, mm-hmm. um, and then other other things like that. Kind of tried out some things, and then in 2017, I made a video about 
the villain Hela from Thor Ragnarok, and the video came out, I think, right about when the first trailer for Infinity War came out. And I think YouTube algorithm just, I, I caught that star and wrote it all the way to the top, uh, and then, then that's when the channel became, like, a real thing. Nice. You surfed but, that reality to its maximum potential. Exactly. <laughs> and it worked. It's It's been great ever since. Uh, I, I still make the people in my life listen to me talk about this stuff way too much because they are still the proving ground for a lot of my videos, but also now I have more of an outlet for it, so it's a little bit more helpful. Yeah. And, yeah. Nice. No, and it's thankfully, very cool. the Marvel movies have taken over all of entertainment. So as the basis, they're not the only thing I talk about, but as the basis for like what my channel is, it's only gotten easier to talk about those things. Well, yeah. So let's actually let's let's dive into that a little bit, too, because this this will transition, I think, well into Eternals, because we, a big topic that we have on the show. Uh, and again, I, it's always weird when I'm like, I'm going to tell what Shahir's point of view would, would have been. <laughs> <laughs> if he was here but basically we've had a lot of discussions back and forth about the mcu and the disneyfication of cinema and how that's affecting everything yada 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 and i think there's good and bad to it um uh one of the good things honestly that you brought up sort of amongst your origin story is using current vernacular film to sort of discuss the like f either film theory or things you know along those lines not just referencing back to a chinatown or something using something more i i, I don't want to say pop culture but but in a, a later vernacular a die hard uh you know lord of the rings etc that sort of thing because you can still glean a lot of stuff from that and then of course the other side of it is if everything is disney if everything is marvel that will choke out other th and we're seeing that happen too oh yeah um so like with with that sort of in mind uh with the with the way that Eternals has just launched, they're definitely this is, in my opinion, the biggest swing they've taken since Endgame. Like uh, we have we have uh, Far From Home. We have what Black Widow and Shang Chi between yep. then and now. And then like we have Loki. What if uh, yep. Captain Falcon and uh, and WandaVision, which I'd yeah. say WandaVision is probably the last thing that I saw them do that I thought was pretty risky mm -hmm. um, in terms of just, like, confusing people. Right. But, yeah, I'd say this is definitely the most unusual for the MCU uh, as, a as like, a pitch or as, like, an experiment. Because yeah. you know, we don't know any of these guys... And and they're not uh, on the surface, and and I, I'm gonna actually because I also know you're a huge comic head uh, as well. I know very little about the Jack Kirby. Uh, I I know that that's their origin, but I don't know like I don't know what sort of happened in uh, subsequent runs. Uh, I think mm -hmm. I I read forever uh, not forever ago, but a while ago the Neil Gaiman um, Ramada yeah. Junior uh, reboot or whatever that was. Um, but but. It's weird. This is the second time Marvel has taken like a real I don't know like Z list taught like character like even iron man was like c tier or whatever when iron man came out but guardians was their first swing was sort of like let's yeah. turn a thing that we have into something that everyone will want to relate to but that was sort of through like i don't know comedy nostalgia like like rough edges i would say uh in, in an enjoyable way to watch where the eternals is a lot more um mythological <laughs> mm -hmm. um and it's interesting to see uh, this movie even come into existence. I was just, uh, when I was writing up my notes, I was like, I can't believe that I'm about to do a podcast to discuss an Eternals movie. Yeah. It 
it doesn't I, I, I don't think even, you know, when, you know, 13 year old me was never like, oh, that'll that'll happen. Like this movie yeah, we'll, will be a thing. We'll get an Eternals movie before we'll get like John Stewart Green Lantern in real life or, yeah, yeah. you know, bef- before we'll get like a Flash solo movie. We'll probably be talking about the Eternals. Or, yeah. You know, the Okoye spinoff in Black Panther. Like it just it's crazy how far ahead. Marvel is then DC when it comes to a lot of this stuff because every time DC reboots the universe, Batman has to fight the Joker again and he can mm-hmm. never get to some of the other guys. And like it's it's just yeah, it is it is wild when you come sit back and just think about like one specific part of it, like where you can because most of these movies have one really weird thing that you could just go like, Man, we just saw like, you know, Ash Arsh I forget his name, but like whatever the Celestial's name was, he was like oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. main character in a movie that everyone has to know what that is now. Isn't that weird? Um, yeah, uh, I, I keep wanting to say Ajak, and it's not Ajak is obviously not. one of the Eternals. What the? And, and it's Tiamat's, either Arisham or Arisham. Yeah, Arisham. Arisham. Yeah, I've yeah. been I've been writing it because I'm working on some like Eternals videos and like just reading it, and I it still hasn't stuck. Uh, yeah. They say it a lot in the movie, so I'm sure after I see it a second time, I'll, I'll catch it. Yeah, the um, it's it's I, I'm I'm how do I put it? I I guess we'll sort of get into uh, real real beginning thoughts on this film. I walked out of the theater and I was at first I was like, that's eh, fine. Like I had that sort of like, eh, whatever. But I was trying to parse exactly why I felt that way, because when I was in it. I was like, I was in it, like, mm-hmm. and it's a long movie. It's it what? Is. It's like two hours and and uh, something forty. Is it two hours forty? No, I don't even know. I don't know. But oh, two is. hours thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah, so, it's up there. So, and and it was it was not a film where I was ever checking my watch, mm-hmm. um, uh, or anything like that. So I, I was like, well, why am I having? Why am I feeling so a little bit meh about it? And it's funny. Uh, one of one of your recent videos touched on. Um, the Marvel Zombies, your Marvel oh, Zombies yeah. video, and when I watched that, I uh, not quite the same thing, but I was basically you called out something very nice because whenever I discuss that, I'm like, oh, it doesn't work because of tone. And mm. in your video, you said something along the lines of like, oh, well, yeah, but like, what about tone? That's a real easy way to say like, yeah, it doesn't work. So that sort of got me thinking here. I'm like, okay, why? Was I engrossed in the moment, and when I walked out, I was, like, not feeling it as much. Yeah. Um, and one thing that struck me, I mean, obviously, the the pros of this are, uh, I think Chloe Zhao does an amazing job directing this just wackadoo cosmic god story thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the visuals, especially being in real places. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was talking at, uh, at the screening I went to uh, with a friend of uh, both of ours, Patrick Willems. Uh, and he was just like, I love that they sh- they shot things in a location and not in a back lot. Like it felt mm-hmm. it felt more like connected to the earth, which I think is a good thing for this movie to do. Yeah. I love I loved that. Um, I actually really liked all of the characters. I liked the archetype of them, and and it was fun to see them together, separate, whatever. Where it where it fell for me though, so those are like the high highs. The low lows for me were honestly. A lot of the dialogue, <laughs> mm. um, the 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 current Marvel witticisms that we've come to expect in these sort of moments, the IKEA line that was done to death in all of the yeah. trailers, 
and and a couple other things that were just too on the nose or whatever. Real every time, like looking back, sort of slapped me out of it. And in a movie where you kind, it's like, uh, you know, they open. Uh, it was we were just talking about before we started recording with the um with the Pink Floyd time song, uh, where it's just sort of like you kind of just want to ride this thing. And every time mm. it would kept like slapping me out of my like like nice like, calm trance like thing, being like no joke time now. And I was like, oh, oh I, I, IKEA. Yeah, um, there were there were a fair amount of those. I'm trying to remember the big ones that because I, I think some of the humor, a lot of it did just depend on the characters and the editing and stuff like that. Because like we we both call like used lines from Kingo, and I think yeah. as a character, his like humor worked a lot more for me than some of that like like the Ikea line. Um, and I, I think that's, it's such a small, like the way that stuff like that is written is so tricky because mm-hmm. it's like, man, I, I wonder if part of it has to do with like, we need a name, we need a brand that everyone on the planet knows <laughs> because this movie is for every single person on the planet. And the only one of those is Ikea. I mean, as the, you know, the joke doesn't definitely need to be there. Although I think, I think, like, I think it works better in the theater it, or in that movie, like, in the moment because of what happens immediately before it. Um, yes. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a little. But the the way that it does play out, it was, there, there were moments like that that did kind of bug me. Um, yeah, the tone, the tone is, is tricky. But I think the thing about it for me, I, I don't, see, that's the thing. We, we, I saw this maybe... I don't know, two days ago, I still don't really know how I felt about it. Like, okay, I think I liked it. I definitely liked it, but I think I like, I think it was interesting. I think the characters all more or less worked and, but there were, and there were plot points and action sequences that I really enjoyed, but, um, there was just something about like the way that we were introduced to most of these characters in the very beginning is like, this is why you should care about these guys because they all fly around instead of like maybe, you know, this is why you should care about these guys because they're nice to people and stuff mm-hmm. and they have they have these fun relationships. I feel like maybe it took me a little bit longer to get there with these characters because they all had those relationships eventually, uh, but there just wasn't that from the beginning. It was something that was revealed over the course of the movie. Yeah. And and because of the way they sort of uh, and uh, I guess this is sort of a uh, without getting into too much of a spoiler thing the way that the Eternals are treated in this film as opposed to the comic book of like their origin and everything yeah. like it's funny you're, you're absolutely right the beginning they all feel kind of cold and godlike and you're like okay I guess they're different but are they just different Power Rangers suit colors like what mm-hmm. what does this yeah. matter and but by the end you understand or even by the middle I'd say you understand why that is but it doesn't. You could be like, "Oh, I get it," but it still made you feel cold toward them for the first hour. Like, yeah, and and that is a, I think, going to be a, a bit of a, a a bucking point because if you're going to do this grand scale of like basically rewriting the history of the universe, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and you're not sort of letting your audience suture into your main characters that you're going to follow, there is a bit of a, and maybe this isn't reflected in the reviews, um, sort of a, well, why should I care about this? Like, Yeah, for a movie that's so concerned with the humanity of its characters and how much they relate to humans and see themselves as like somewhat detached from them, but also somewhat connected to the human experience, 
the the idea that we don't that a lot of the humanity comes from characters we meet fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and mm-hmm. not first and second and third i think is a very it's just a really interesting way to I- introduce that like i honestly it's so it's so weird but i feel like you could do the movie like if you did each each character's version of the like um viewpoint of the movie right like do you know every we get a druid movie we get a athena movie i feel like starting the movie with anyone else makes a little bit more sense to me because they're the more human characters mm-hmm. than Cersei Sprite and Icarus um which is where where they kind of front load everything yeah um it's and, yeah it's tricky and Icarus uh Richard Madison uh, Madison um I he was one of the only one of them that sort of knocked me out of it because even even after you know they show up at Mesopotamia in the beginning and yeah. then uh, uh, Cersei transmutes the knife which apparently is an actual real knife like or oh. they that's like an actual artifact or a replica replica of an artifact that they found there like there's a lot of really fun like historical i'm not gonna say accuracies there's a hard air quotes there but they definitely plucked things to be like this is the first marvel movie i think that i've noticed a bunch of like history mentions not like just like other marvel easter eggs Mm -hmm. um yeah which was really fun yeah like but when they're doing that you don't quite understand after that moment why cersei and sprite sort of are split off they're like cersei's dating kit harrington now yeah. Uh, or or Dane, Dane Whitman. Uh, which side note? I, <laughs> do you have this problem, or is this just me? I have a we. I don't have uh, face facial blindness for most people, but Richard Madden and Kit Harrington. Oh yeah. I like. I my brain for whatever cross wired reason references them as the same person. So when we saw them in the beginning, and then we saw uh, Cersei and Dane like at uh, the birthday party. I was like, oh, and this is the natural conclusion of these people's 5,000-year evolution. And then they were talking like they like Dane didn't know because he didn't quite know everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, is there a memory thing? Are they going to unlock – like, are they all sleeping in some – and then I finally realized that, no, idiot me, these are two different actors. Yeah, I mean, it definitely doesn't help that they're both from Game of Thrones, but thankfully yeah. this movie went out of its way to give them both weird haircuts. Not yes. even weird haircuts, but just very different haircuts and, like – Icarus specifically, I feel like in every iteration of that character I've ever read, he is bleach blonde, like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe mm-hmm. hair. And he uh, he didn't have that here, but he did have his little, like, I don't even know what you'd call it, but his little spot of white in his, yeah. in his hair. So he definitely looked different enough there. Yeah, um, there was a combination, I feel like, for his look of a of a sort of older Superman with that white hair that yes, you mentioned yeah. and, and a bit of uh, Homelander. Weirdly enough, which I think might come across in vibe too. Interesting. Um, not yeah, not psychopathic vibe, but like where you're questioning him because he's basically the gaudiest of the gods that we're we're meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a <sighs> looking back at the film. I actually from a from a mental exercise of it. I like the way that they revealed the things. I was like, ah, yes, this is neat. Back forth, back forth, back forth. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but in the moment, 
especially that first hour, it like what you said, it did nothing to connect me to the story emotionally, any of the characters, etc., until we started getting more of the gang back together and sort of saw why they split up, etc. Um, is there is there were there any other pros or cons sort of like without before we dive into spoilery stuff that you you uh, connected with, you disliked, you you uh, were just mediocre about? Pros, I think. Okay, so two pros. A, I think most of the like like I kind of said this, but I also think it's more specific. Most of the action scenes were pretty cool in mm-hmm. terms of like I think the way that this movie chose to visualize some superpowers we've seen before was very interesting and very fluid and I like the idea that these guys have been themselves and have been like fighting monsters for thousands and thousands of years so they're all really good at it like there's not a lot of a learning curve this isn't like Jack Snyder Justice League where the Flash has to you know try to run for the first time it's right so i i thought that was kind of cool i also think almost all of the actors were just pretty watchable as actors like it's like i will watch um you know i i can't remember his name ma dong suk from um the train to busan like gilgamesh Mm -hmm. his guy like he's just fun to watch and the weird little kid from the killing of a sacred deer uh druig fun to watch like and and Selma Hayek and um, uh, Angelina Jolie, just like they got a lot of people who are really, really, really good actors and have a lot of charisma and and presence. So I did buy them all, maybe save for one or two, although that was kind of part of it. But as like these guys are like something they you you would meet them and go like he's there's something up with this guy. He's serious. Um, I feel like. So I, th- I thought that worked. I think some of the humor did really, like I said, the Kingo humor worked for me a lot. And I think as a as a adaptation of these characters that have been reinvented every single time anyone's written a story about them, like <laughs> it's it, it's a very it's not like threading a needle, but it's like this is a for me this is a decent take on these guys. It doesn't feel super stale although i can think of like because you were talking about the neil gaiman run i think the neil gaiman run does this very differently or at least like makes some other big choices where it's like they don't know their eternals they have to have characters come in and say like makari you're you're this super being from before Mm -hmm. and that's your entry point into the whole thing and i think part of the trouble with this is you don't really have that character here you have a bunch of characters who already know what's going on and everything has to be explained through, like, you know, either on-screen exposition or, like, we just have to watch it happen in history. But um, the idea that, it's like, the different entry points for this series are are tricky. Like, you kind of expect a movie like this will focus largely on, like, Dane Whitman as a POV character or right. something. And that's your that's your anchor um, or or there will be an eternal who I don't know, like had the mind wipe and doesn't know they're an eternal, but it didn't do that either. It's it's just, I don't know. It's very interesting. The choice, some of the choices they made. I, I actually it's funny. I was I, I was when I fi- when I finally figured out that uh, Richard Madden and uh, Kit Harrington were not the same person. <laughs> I was yeah. like and then sort of when Dane Whitman sort of falls by the wayside, 
I, well, before even before that, I was like, oh, God, is Dane going to be the fish out of water? Like, right. is he going to be the human guy who's going along with them? Okay. Like, I've seen this before. And then he just sort of, like, disappears. Yep. And I'm like, oh. Oh. Okay. So, and again, so in a pro column, I liked that they didn't do that because we see that a lot. In, mm. a, in a negative column, we did sort of feel that negative effect of not having a suture character to be there. Yeah. Um, which is Which is kind of an interesting sort of trade-off as to what we sort of want to see. Um, mm. The What was I going to say, too? Oh, uh, we mentioned, so uh, as far as the actors' performances, they were all pretty damn good. Something that always surprises me, and I don't know why, um, Angelina Jolie, I, I always forget, like, how exquisite of an actress she is. Yeah. And because, like, so case in point, I love Angelina Jolie, and I love Salma Hayek. I think they're both awesome. Um, I never didn't see Salma Hayek as Ajax. Like I was always like, "Oh, it's Salma Hayek." But yeah, but by the midpoint, I was like, "Oh, this is Thena." Like mm. I lo- I didn't. And to have someone whose face and persona is, is is so ubiquitous with with American cinema as Angela Jolie is, and to just have her be lost in that character, which is relatively. I mean, I don't even want to say a simple character because by the end she's not, but like, oh, she's the god of war-ish person. Like, yeah. she's the brawler. Like, or, you know, like, I was I was fucking impressed as hell. Like, I couldn't believe that they managed to do that to the point where, like, when, uh, you know, this isn't a spoiler yet because trailers, um, in the cave when the, the deviant has her sort of tied up, like, I didn't know what was going to happen to her and I was actually sort of like, oh, no. Because right. another thing this movie does, which I yeah. actually very much appreciate, is fucking kill people. That was wild for me. Yeah. Well, and it, it's so funny because, like, the central conceit of these characters, every single time I've seen them written is killing them isn't a problem. Like, yeah. You kill them, and then they come back. The machine remakes them. The it's resurrection a bummer. machine, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of annoying, but they they can get resurrected. And in this, that's the first thing. It's like, oh, no, someone's killing Eternals, and nobody... No one in there for me was like, like there was no character that was like, oh no, she's out for a whole week. We gotta do this without her. Like it was just like she's dead forever. What the heck? Yeah. Not to say it was. And so I liked Angelina Jolie. Um, I think part of it had to do with her having. Um, like, like I liked. I think part of the difference for me is with Selma Hayek, she, that character just looked like Selma Hayek with a funny hat on, whereas <laughs> Thena had the gold hair and had a really big vibe to her. Like, I think a lot of the characters, I could kind of see what with the design of their different outfits, like what they were going for in terms of like the, you know, speedster or the more, you know, like uh, what's her name? Uh, Cersei has a little bit more... I don't even know what you'd call it, but like fabric coming yep. off of her suit because she's the more I, I don't even know how to. She's a transmuter. It. She's she can she's she's sort of fluid in her in what yeah, she does with matter. There you go. Yeah. So like there there was all that, and then there was just Selma Hayek who's got like a big hat and, and stands she heals around stuff. Yeah, and I, I so I think I think maybe part of it for me had to do with that not being a, like a bigger part of it, but um, I I think that there were other characters. There were other actors that I think did a good job of kind of getting lost in the in the performance. Um, and I don't know. It, maybe it's just a credit to I, I think part of it could be Chloe Zhao, just a good actor's director. Like she was 
you know, getting good performances out of these people. But part of it has to be just they got some real talent for this movie. And, and you know, you can you can feel it. Yeah. Another another uh, standout for me was uh, Brian Tree Henry uh, Fastos, uh, who, again, we'll get into this. Uh, this will be the last like we'll get into it in spoilers because we'll do yeah. that in like two minutes. Um, but there's a couple moments in this film where he uh, and a few of the others like really show a bit of like not only range, but like. I don't know, differing points of view on the giant universe-changing shit that's going on, and that was really nice to, even in a film that has the term Unimind in it, to not have it be so, like, black and white, cold, you know, uh, and hot, sort of like, oh, well, there's these two dynamic things, even though one group is called the Eternals and one group is called the Deviants. Um, It was nice to see that sort of mix of gray area there. Um, Well, before we get into these spoilers i will do the tradition here uh matt uh where we read or i read much to the uh non-chagrin of my usual co-host the imdb description of of the film we are talking about and we see if we like that description oh my gosh okay we do something similar in my show where we have what we call what we've recently named the imdb b b spelled like spelling b where one host has to is like the guy who has the like the actual description the other two of us have to try to guess what it was amazing yeah and uh it's tough i feel like the marvel ones what we've learned from them because we've done a couple marvel movies since is they frequently start with like the fourth or like you know (laughs) following the events of the last one but before the next one comes eternals dealing with the problems of the you know avengers endgame or something there's always some connective tissue yeah um well, this yeah. one, this one's interesting in that regard. It just says, "The saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal beings who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations." Hmm. So, so accurate, not terribly like drawing you into it, nor really supporting anything else about like the things that I've noticed that you just said as well about other Marvel movies, right? Like, it's not yeah. leaning on that. Um, I also have this fantasy in my head, by the way, and our listeners do know this and they can write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if they love or hate this, um, that there's just one person writing all of these. And I know logically it's not, it's the studios, they get things supplied, whatever, but I just have a dream that it's actually just one single solitary human being or AI that writes all of these things. I mean, there's gotta be, there's somewhere I'm like, the studio can't have written this because this is not what the movie's about. Like there's someone who just didn't get the movie or watched or like looked at the poster and went, Oh, okay. I see, you know, uh, try to think of one that was like bad, but like, you know, Oh, snake eyes and his friends, the GI Joes go and fight the evil storm shadow. And you're like, that's not what this movie is, bro. Someone (laughs) told you the wrong thing and you wrote it. And like, there's no way that anyone involved with this movie wrote those things. So it is tricky. I think it's weird. I, I almost think that, IMDb description really undersells what the movie's like about where it's yeah. like it's not just like them messing around it kind of plays out more like there is like a ticking clock and there is a an inciting incident and the things that would get you invested in the turtles have to solve a problem blah 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 but or it's, even or even like tie it back to I mean I, look we could we could we could change this to make it better too the uh, but like tie it back to theology tie it back to like the the true yeah. story of earth's actual lineage or like or 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 myths come to life in the eternal like you know like whatever like 
there's different ways to do it, and I guess there's, you know, people could get upset if you get real like that a lot, but I, I don't know. Anyway. I mean, I, I feel like with the IMDb description, it does feel a little bit like, who are you, if this is marketing, because everything's marketing, but if IMDb is marketing, who are you marketing this movie to with that? Like, yeah. what? Who, what what random viewer are you trying to sell with it's the saga of the eternals you guys know what that that's pretty cool like yeah. who's the main character give us a main character to to follow and no nope, I, I agree know. i agree yeah. and i'm so side note thank you so much for uh being a brother in arms in this discussion of the imdb descriptions it because drives me crazy thank yeah. you thank you oh that's so nice to hear all right so we are getting now into spoiler town okay. uh straight up we will be we will be able to do anything is there anything you want to jump into like what was the well okay let's do it this way you've you're familiar fairly with the eternals runs in the comics right yeah so the ones that i read before this and the, i'm currently going through the jack kirby ones because mm-hmm. i never read that they're super i i don't d- dislike them but they're a little dense um but yeah. The Neil Gaiman one and then the Kieran Gillen run, which is ongoing, although it might be over. There's a new thing called Eternals Forever, but I'm not sure if he's writing that. But either way, I'd say I kind of expected the Kieran Gillen run to be the blueprint for this. And mm-hmm. in some ways it is. But th- so those are the two Eternals stories that I've read Um Leading up to this. And, like, some of them will pop into Avengers stuff every so often. But it's less than you would expect for, like, a Marvel movie that follows, you know, Shang-Chi. A character who pops into Avengers stuff all the time. Right. Or, like, you know. they It's funny explaining this to people and being like, yeah, this guy's in the Avengers a little. Like, she's, Cersei's in it once or twice. Like, but it's not what she's known for. So yeah. I, not to completely spoil one thing, but there's another character who pops up, and I'm like, that guy, he's in the Avengers a bunch. Like, that is something he does very frequently. Or even there's two characters who who show up, and they're like, they are ev- easily the two most connected to the Marvel Universe in the comics. And the movie is definitely not about them. Which which two are you are you referencing? We are in uh, full spoiler now. Go for it. Okay, Black Knight and Eros. Yeah. I feel like those two are like... Big players, even like Pip the Troll shows up more than those two do. Yeah. <laughs> like, or not more than those two, but well, kind of, but definitely more than like Cersei or Icarus or, or Bakari or whatever. Yeah. Um, have, have you, and did you see the interview or, or maybe you picked up on the story of the movie, but where Chloe Zhao said who was the guy that talks to, uh, Dane oh, Whitman at the end scene. Yeah. Yes. yes. I, so I, you, I didn't know when I saw it. I didn't know who it was. I didn't understand it. I, I, I didn't fully. Oh, what did I? What did I said? I leaned over. Oh, because I didn't know. I don't follow the casting because I find it's less fun. Because mm. like other, otherwise, whatever. And I was like, for whatever reason in my head, and I should have seen the cues with the sword and all that other stuff. I was like, oh, Adam Warlock. And, yeah, and the folks I was sense. with was like, no, he's been cast. He's this guy and whatever. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, so what? Who? And then I looked it up. And of course, it's uh, um, uh, Blade or Mahershala Ali, who will now be playing uh, the uh, day walking vampire hunter, which I'm very fucking pumped for. But yeah. also, do Black Knight and Blade have a history in the comp? Like, why is that? I guess they both have swords and they like. Maybe they have. Maybe there's like a Slack channel where all the sword guys <laughs> go like, 
hey, what kind of sword polish you use in these days? I don't know. I, I could see. I mean, I'm sure you could write Dane Whitman and like the English knight characters as having fought vampires and sure pixies and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. again, and this is back to Kieran Gillen, like a run that I love now that I think a lot of people like is a book called um it's a I think Boom Studios uh makes it called Once in Future and it's like kind of like Men in Black, but what is discovered is that the all the Arthurian and like English folklore characters are real and they're also all like monsters trying to take over the world's like King Arthur is a monster, Pixies are monsters, Beowulf is a monster, and uh, and it's just up to the small family to stop them. So like maybe that's what it is, where like Blade is just like I fight vampires, but also every so often somebody from your neck of the woods shows up and starts problems. And I mean, if you connect it to like the Marvel or the um the X Men characters and like Excalibur, mm-hmm. there's like the whole other section of the world that is like. Arthurian lore connected characters. I don't know. I yeah. I don't know too much about Black Knight, and I don't know what they're gonna do with them, especially after watching Eternals. I'm like, I could kind of go a billion ways with this guy. How cool but, um, would it be if they? And you you just sort of unlock this in my head with with the Blade character. So I was wondering what they were gonna do. Of course, he's gonna fight vampires. Of course, hopefully he, is. he cuts Jared Leto's head off right off the bat. <laughs> right just off the bat, easily. No in one and out, cares. Morbius. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Um, no, the, what I was going to say is what if they set up that, this blade, this new iteration of blade as basically like a witcher. Yeah. Like just fight. He's the guy who fights all the mythological creatures, like including vampires, right? I can see it. Yeah. That would be, and then that would make sense to what you just said, sort of why he's talking to uh, Dane Whitman. The weird part of, I I love that the first spoiler thing we go to, by the way, is like end credit scene, but wasn't it odd or did it strike you as odd? That we heard the voice, but we did not see him. Yeah, it was weird. Does that mean he was in the room with him? Or, it, like, was he talking through the evil sword? I, I don't know. I, I think what what I took from it was I, then I sort of go back into, like, you know, how films are made or the sausage, etc. Yeah. And I'm like, well, they probably have not locked the look yet. Or I bet I bet yeah. you they shot it and there were changes to what Blade looked like. And so they had to cut it out and they couldn't get a thing. Maybe. Like that feels like what that was because he and I at first I like that. I thought it was the sword, but he does look over at someone in the room. Yeah. And I, I was think like the way the sound design happens in this. And I've watched this. I, I go to movies now um, in uh, at a drive in. So the sound design has to go through like my car. Right. But I do feel like there, it came from a specific place in the room as opposed to just like nebulously in his head. So yeah. I, I think Blade is there with him. Side note, he traveled to England. I like, know, right? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Side note, how are drive-ins now? Great. I haven't been to one in so yeah. long. So there's one in Philly where where I'm from, um, and it's a uh, like it's held up by the Philadelphia Film Society, um, and they put maybe two movies on a weekend. So this weekend it was this, and I was like, oh, cool, because there's this. And then maybe Saturday, I'll go see one of the other eight movies I actually want to see that are like movie movies like Last Night in Soho Mm -hmm. or uh, the uh, whatever it is, French Dispatch or um, Titan or whatever. Oh, we just did Titan last week. No, I'm sorry. We recorded. This is bad for my listeners perspective. We recorded it and it's coming out after this. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. Uh, But yeah, and then it turns out the other movie that was showing was... um, fucking the rock 
and Ryan Reynolds oh, do no. Ocean's Eleven on Netflix. Yeah, I'm assuming Netflix bought screens or something like that. But um, but yeah, so so they have two screens, but it's great. You get there. I try to get there early. They don't sell food, so you bring your own popcorn. I'll stop at a movie theater on my way and buy some popcorn, and I'll like buy sushi. Um. And yeah, you just you just chill out in your car. You get there early. You get a good seat. It's it's great. Like that sounds awesome, man. I yeah. miss those so much. There was one. So I'm from New Hampshire. I uh, there was one oh, in, cool. in in New Hampshire, um, uh, Milford, I believe. And uh, I it was one of my absolute favorite things to do. And and I got to be honest, I don't think I've been to a drive-in since I've moved to New York over like 15 years ago. Like yeah. I have to I have to get back. That's it. My when you said it, my, I felt something in my chest be like, ooh, how how is that? Yeah, there's one I used to go to back when I like when I was a kid in Jersey, uh, in Warwick, New York. So like upstate New York ish. But yep. they had to drive in. I'm trying to think that's gotta be the closest one to like where you are, unless there's one in like Long Island or something. Maybe. Um but there's no like there's and there's some in very South Jersey, but this Philadelphia Film Society, man, it's been like a, a game changer. Cause I like, you know, I'm vaccinated. I get a good mask. I'll go to a one o'clock showing with two other people. Right. But I there's some movies where it's like I want to enjoy that. I want to go opening night and like have you know have an experience mm-hmm. um, and not have to worry about like how many people are within ten feet of me or whatever. But yeah. um, where are we going with this? Oh yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the sound design. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, oh, I, I derailed us. Yeah. Well, there's there's um there's also the character and well it's weird because in that scene the sword is also the um what it, what's it called not the necro sword the black blade the black uh, ebony uh, blade ebony yeah. blade. The ebony blade is like speaking to him kind of and like whispering. So there's like it's weird that there's like him in the room, the talking sword in the room and then the off screen Mahershala Ali in the room. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like to believe that he's just wearing ping pong balls and they were like they they couldn't finalize it. So they couldn't put him on. But there is like (laughs) Mahershala Ali in there. I mean, Blade, I I feel like it's tough to put the X-Men in a movie or something because their costumes are a little weird and, you know, they're going to adapt him. But Blade just dresses like Blade. Yeah. Like, it's not that hard. And Blade dresses like Nick Fury in a way when he yeah. did the Avengers Initiative thing. Like, you could have just done it. So maybe it was a scheduling thing more than anything. Like, That's possible. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, and yeah, so I... I don't know what they were quite going for there, but I would like to see Blade the Witcher or like because there's um there's a character in the comics. I forget I forget his name, but his daughter's name is Elsa Bloodstone and she showed up in like Next Wave and she is just like that kind of Van Helsing kind of vampire hunter. And she's fun. Um, but unless they work her into the universe and she could show up in the Blade movie, but like you could easily have Blade just fight devil adjacent creatures yep. or like if the devil made you blades out to get you and uh and then the you know evil pixies and warlocks and whatever yeah. that the black knight would deal with would be on that list maybe the black knight is the bad guy blade has to kill but not kill but like convert because he starts off as bad guy in the comics yeah and, you know takes I a turn know. well speaking of speaking of baddies and monsters let's let's yeah. talk a bit about the deviants Crow, it's crow time, yeah. baby. We're getting crow, crow, uh, crow all over the dang place. The so when I first saw the trailers for Eternals, uh, and side note, you could then never not see the trailer for Eternals. It was yeah. in front of every film from Blockbuster to Art House that was just there, and it was I think because the Venn diagram they were trying to hit with it. It was just like I was yeah. done with this trailer. Um, I 
didn't love the design of the deviants, the structure of them. Like mm-hmm. this is again, this is going back to loving a one part and really disliking another part. Because the 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 mechanical CGI of what they were were like tendril beasts that yeah. felt very like Transformers CGI mud flying across the screen. Where where when we got into more visceral moments like claws on heads, like shooting laser beams and stuff, like that felt real. But anytime they were like running or changing or doing something, I'm just like Transformers. Yeah. Um, but I did also love that if if the Eternals are the allegory for like a lot of human mythology, that the deviants are in the shapes that they eventually take, the five or six of them that come out of the ice caps or whatever, uh, they are initially at least take the form of mythological creatures. There's like yeah. there's uh, almost like a griffin one. There's a dragon looking one. There's like a huge sort of like um, manticore looking one. Mm-hmm. And I and I loved I loved that that was sort of like the allegory that it seemed like they were going for these gods fighting these monsters. Yeah. But but I wish that they were more. Uh, I guess like I, fleshy is the wrong word. I wish they had like skin over those tentacles. And I yeah. did like I did like Crow when we finally saw Crow in the cave. They did a lot of work since that trailer. I think. Yeah. Uh, and they, you, you know, they obviously dubbed a line over what Crow was saying in the trailer, which then made you do a disconnect, which then made mm. you be like bad CGI, even though it's not. Right. Um, yeah, Crow looked dope though. When once he was in sort of that form, and again, I think because he was like a less of a tendril beast. Yeah, it's um, interesting because I I I can't even for the life of me remember what the deviants look like. Um, a lot of it is because they aren't a big part of the recent run. Like mm-hmm. I think I think the part of the how you write an Eternals comic in twenty twenty one is they have to move past the deviants because that's not clearly not the problem and it's not that interesting yeah uh but but the um i feel like the game and run definitely had them and, and some other eternal something i read definitely has them and i feel like they just look like little monster guys yeah. um so I, I i do feel like maybe there was like you're right like one more choice that was missing where it was like have the tissue connected by some sort of i don't know like not not like goo but like uh, uh, I don't even know, like membrane around them or something that makes them look like a thing. I wanted them to have less moving parts, like yeah. uh, just from a because again, I got to that like Transformers fighting in any of those films, like you just lose it, like you lose what's going on because they're mm-hmm. so complex. Um, but I mean, it, it wasn't a deal breaker for me by any means. I just and, and then of course, as we learned throughout the movie, that the deviants aren't really the problem. Yeah, uh, they're they're. Uh, I guess this sort of gets into the larger the larger context of the film in itself. Basically, around the midpoint or two thirds through, we learn that um, the Celestials how they propagate is they seed planets. And the uh, with baby celestials or infantile yeah. celestials, and they grow in a planet, feeding off the life force of the beings that are on that planet. And when there's enough life force, they erupt through it and then make new stars and spread uh, molecules throughout the galaxy and uh, matter, etc. And that's how the universe works, which I think is uh, dope. I-, I think that's a really cool concept and such a interesting way of like. 
in in the grand scheme of things, what I think this movie is saying is like, oh, every being on these planets isn't that important because what's important is to propagate the the, the cosmos with stuff to keep making. Th- it's like the circle right. of life sort of thing. But then, uh, in the moment where Ajax is talking to Icarus about why she now and, oh and the eternals of course are the heralds to make sure that the beings on the planet can survive yeah. so this happens and they don't well only ajak knows that that's why it is and everyone else is just thinking like we're helping these people and the deviants are bad because they'll hurt these these people when in fact both the eternals and the deviants were made by the celestials and they both have intrinsic flaws like the deviants just they were made to be predators to fight off the things that um what hunted whatever human beings or whatever beings are on the planet to help the celestial gestating in the planet. But then they're like, no, we just hunt everything now. See ya. And then the Eternals, who are not supposed to go against the celestials at all because they're kind of like robots. Mm. Um, uh, But then who have a change of heart uh, and go against that initial programming when basically when humans uh, snap back what Thanos did. Um, and, And I really liked that they... I was curious, especially in the trailer. I'm sorry, I'm rambling at this point. But the when when we saw Ajax be like, when th- these people of this planet, you know, snap their fingers and Thanos, and I was like, okay, they're just referencing a bunch of right. Avenger shit to get us interested in this movie. It doesn't matter. But I liked when I saw this movie. That is actually the turning point of a major character that causes a major thing. When obviously spoilers, Icarus kills Ajax. Um, and strikes off this entire thing that's basically going to stunt the way that the universe works. But it's right. all based around still what humans did. Yeah, that's true. And like I dug the shit out of the fact that I went in being like, well, this is a bullshit tie-in because they want to sell lunchboxes or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it, and it's not. Like it's they actually wrote it central to the film's plot. Um I don't know. I really appreciated that sort of moment, even even if it took an hour or so to get us to that place. Yeah, I think it is an interesting like little midpoint reversal kind of thing. And I I wouldn't say I saw that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say even knowing what this movie was ahead of time, I kind of saw that coming because I definitely didn't see that. You kind of I feel like it had to be when. when if you looked at all of the players in this movie, there had to be some sort of like the Celestials bad moment or mm-hmm. something like that. Like they're they're going to spell doom for the planet. But I didn't quite see the like end of this movie is going to be Eternals fighting Eternals um, because they did a, a really good job of all of the <laughs> all of the scenes that they showed from the end of the movie were just characters shooting things at off screen characters yes. or <laughs> Eternals fighting some sort of volcano. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that the, like the Earth is ready, like the Earth is just like a thing that is exists to gestate an eternal is uh is cool. There's a couple of comics that have done, like there's a really recent comic called Dark Ages where it turns out there's an eternal in the center of the universe or in the center of the Earth and they have to destroy it and uh, otherwise it'll kill everybody. And I was like, man, they that there's no way that that was written. Like it must have just been kind of parallel thinking and i also don't remember if eternals do that usually if there is usually an eternal in the earth but i don't think so yeah or celestial excuse me yeah that's gonna be a problem i have a lot of (laughs) there's so too many names and like i also get the eternals and inhumans at purpose and kind of like because because the eternals 
are created by the Celestials to, like, deal with stuff. The Inhumans are created by the Kree, like, by, like, experimentation and stuff. And it's so easy to be like, well, yeah. no, this the Eternals are created by... No, it's just guys. Yeah. Um, the, the tree, the tree of who created who in the Marvel yeah. universe. Uh, it, it's funny that the cinematic universe now has to get there because they just need to keep sort of mining the content from it. Yeah, it's um, crazy. On the point of a uh, ton of names, though, that you sort of said, something I thought this movie did really well. It's funny. Side note, I am, as we're talking about this movie, I'm liking it more. Like, I don't know if yeah. that's weird, if, if you're getting that or one way or the other. And I, I often like try to clock myself when discussing a film on the show, like, is my opinion changing? <laughs> and mm. I feel like it might be. Um, but I felt something that this movie did really well, outside of any flaws that it had, was it is one giant info dump that never felt to me like an info dump. Yeah, and I, think, I agree. I think that's a lot of tone from Chloe Zhao. I think that's that's sort of showing the chops of her as a director, like... I mean, like if you want to break down every film is technically an info dump, but like not a lot, many of them not as dense of information oh, and yeah. weird as this. And I never was like, literally, the only info dump moment was the the crawl in the beginning, the first mm -hmm. ten seconds of white text. Yeah. And I I was amazed how non info dump feeling this was. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot. A lot of it. I think it's interesting when you look at like the structure of this movie because there is a lot of like jumping around in time periods and like this is the time where these guys fought you know the Eternals in Tenochtitlan or like then they fought in Babylon and, and stuff as like a way to explain like and that's how these guys feel about each other and then you go and see them in you know the present day and it's like this is what Druig's up to um so I think that helped to kind of ease you into get get information out like as all of the info dumps and all of that stuff usually came with some sort of like fun or interesting character moments. So yeah. it was like this is, you know, Druig explaining his problem with the mission of the Eternals. And I'm sure we got a lot of new information there But then we also got in that scene. Druig like arguing about whether it was any good and like coming and making that decision. So that like didn't make it just feel like. They were all sitting around discussing, like, kind of telling each other information they already knew about what the Eternals are. It wasn't stuff like that. It wasn't a "This is Katana, better yeah. not get killed by her." Her yeah. sword traps the souls of its victims. She can get in that Slack chat too with Blade yeah. and and the Black Knight. <laughs> Who has the best swords? Probably Who does probably have the her. best swords. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah. No, I think you're 100 percent correct. And in those moments, I really enjoyed how. We transition again from the more boring beginning of like, here's a bunch of floaty gods that are all stoic and whatever, into like, actually, after the Tenochtitlan uh, Spanish conquistador sort of war moment or massacre moment, I should say, um, the they all sort of like that was the fracturing point, and you start to see that like they're not a uh, not, not a unimind, not a not a not a monolith in the way that they think. Like they all have right. different ways that they go. And some more harsh than others, even to the point at the end, man, I I love and I don't know if this was for uh, scheduling reasons or what, just trying to keep it less complicated, etc. But I absolutely loved how Kingu uh, once once they've discovered that Icarus killed uh, Ajax and they he gets away and Sprite like leaves with him because there's a whole side thing about uh, her being in love with him. Um, I love how uh, Kingu basically was like. Listen, 
I agree with Icarus, but I refuse to hurt any of you, so I'm out. Right. And and that's such a weird take in one of these movies. Like there wasn't just like, oh, you're even when you're like who's good or who's bad in that moment, are we with Icarus or are we against Icarus or, or, or Icarus versus Cersei, right? Yeah. There were people with differing belief structures and reacting accordingly. Like Sprite still probably really cared about the other Eternals, but was jealous of Cersei, didn't hate her, but then went with Icarus. Even down to uh, Fastos. Um, he was reluctant. He, th- that moment about uh, Hiroshima, uh, Hiroshima, excuse me, um, and how he was like, these people are not worth saving. Like he transitions from kind of hating humans to just being like you know what now i'm living like one and this is my family and like this is what i care about and he went to fight for different reasons like it right it didn't feel like it didn't feel like um loki fighting the battle in new york when they're like oh shit aliens we got to stop this it felt like there's so many differing points of view and on whatever, like the needle tipping on the sides of the scale on one side, there were still like three or four different points of view as to why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I really dug that and it's kind of ballsy to just have a main character, one that we've sort of been with the entire time, be like, I don't believe it fully in either side for whatever reason. So have fun with your big battle. I'm out. Yeah. And, and also like if he, I like that, I feel like at one point Kingo also says, like, it's Icarus, you guys. He's going to kill you. Like, he's good at this. And I probably won't be able to help too much also if I'm on your side. So whatever. Yeah. There's a practicality to it. Yeah. Like he's um, got he's got the most to lose because he's like rich and stuff. So it does kind (laughs) of make sense. Like, yeah, I can call him Kingo. Kingo. Yeah. 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 Um, He's a weird one because I feel like they. That character, maybe more than all of the others, has been reinvented a bunch in the comics because they couldn't quite figure out what to not like what to do with him. I want to say originally it was like a like an Asian dude, like looking like um yes. I don't even know like samurai, and then they changed it recently so that that's a mask that that character wears as part of his costume, huh? Um, so that it still looks like the Kingo you would expect, but it's not like a semi-racist caricature of of something uh so it's he's an interesting one and and i feel like they gave a lot of some of the characters i'd say like felt pretty consistent with how they were written and then there were some like him uh and like uh druig i i think also got a slightly different like it's interesting because in the comics there's some eternals that you're like if someone's gonna go bad it's probably this one yep it's probably sprite it's probably druig and those are definitely the main two that you got to worry about. And then maybe Fastos under the wrong circumstances will do bad things. But then, yeah, the I, the, I like that, like, this Druid was just... I, I liked how many characters were motivated by, like, I really don't like Icarus either. Like, yeah. he is usually wrong about these kinds of things. So it'll be fun if I get to try to kill him myself. Yeah. Um, oh, that moment, that moment when Fastos, like, tech, tech whizzes him and knocks him to the ground is, like... That was yeah. such a cool, like, you could tell he'd been waiting to do that. I mean, I think he says so, too. I think he says, that, yeah, like, isn't this really satisfying? And then even Thena has that moment where they're, uh, Thena and Icarus are going to fight. And Icarus says, like, you've never thought me, Thena. And she's like, but I've always wanted to. Yeah, and then yeah. she tries to cut his head off. Yeah. Uh, I like. And then Makari oh, also definitely was, like, 
saying that with her body, like even mm-hmm. if she wasn't vocalizing it with like, this is something that I've thought about for a while. Here's how I'm going to punch you. And here's how I'm going to try to like stay off your radar. So I got to yeah. say the speedster stuff with Makari. Oh we God. haven't talked about Makari much. Uh, Lauren uh, Ridloff, um, who did phenomenal work in this thing as well. The, the, the way that they did both just running like super speed and like the fastness of her in in combat felt fresh which is um, oh my god yes. like was very cool to see um who i was watching um i don't remember what video it was but they were sort of breaking down speedsters and looking at it in in the makari sort of vibe and like lately we see things like in the x-men films where it's like super slow-mo and like that's super i love that stuff too or yeah. even like uh in you know any of the dc um stuff with flash um there's it, it never it never felt like this before which i was like oh a new feeling of us of a fast character this is nice yeah um, and i feel like that's always how when we've seen not uh, always but a lot of when we've seen animation in like the justice league cartoon or other other cartoons with a speedster it is a lot of this it's a lot of like it's almost like the character is teleporting her. There's yeah. that one bit where there's like lots of Makaris kind of each punching and there's like little after images uh, and stuff like that we've never seen in movies before, which is, I mean, not we've never because we got a little bit of it in Zack Snyder Justice League with this flash. Yeah. Um, but the, it's something that's been so weirdly underrepresented and it's so much fun that I'm, I was, that was, that was, I think the thing that, when I was watching the finale, I was like enjoying it. And then that happened. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. And it's like almost like they had all the guys to make a better Justice League or like, <laughs> you know, like what if all the Justice Leagues fought Superman? And it's pretty much what this was where Athena's kind of Hawkman or Hawkgirl. Or, you know, yeah. I guess Athena's like Green Lantern, except she can't fly. And then you got a Flash and Fastos is Batman. And that's they're all trying to kill Superman. So like that is fun to. You know, just like fun to watch. It's something we haven't seen uh, in a in a live action movie in a very long time, if yeah. ever. Uh, big big side question because I was just scrolling through the cast list. Do we think that Karen, uh, the 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 Alfred referenced uh, chauffeur, oh yeah, uh, Harish Patel, uh, is actually a scroll? For whatever oh. reason, I kept just thinking that he was a scroll, and I don't know why. There, I can't. If if there was a suggestion of that, it was so subliminal that I cannot tell you what it is. But I was like, this would make sense. That would be fascinating. I I the only like I see the problem with scrolls in this universe is like I don't know. I, I guess I don't know what the tier list is in terms of like <laughs> power. Could a could like a scroll fool a celestial? Could it fool like an an eternal? How, at what point is someone involved? Like, oh, I know what that guy is. Right, so, right. We've seen him. And also, like, Druig does the mind, like, wipe where he or d- tries to make him throw away his camera that one time. So oh, like, yeah. He have noticed. But yeah. I also, it's like, can Druig read your mind or just control, control it? it? So, yeah. And the scrolls, like, their brains still would trick you into thinking that they are I mean who knows because we haven't really gotten into what a scroll brain thinks but you should be able to read a scroll's mind and still for at least a while think that they are the thing that they think they are yeah so uh, I, that would be interesting though he would be a good scroll I'm wondering I'm just I'm trying to pick out the character because you know when secret invasion rolls out is that going to be a series it's supposed to be a show yeah like okay. some sort of Disney plus series I'm wondering I'm I'm just wondering if they're going to pick 
side characters yeah. from all of these different movies and like, oh, they're all scrolls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, oh, I think for sure. And I guess he's the only one that isn't like I, I, I do feel like there's something about the Eternals where like scrolls can sometimes duplicate superpowers, but not all of them. And I feel like they probably wouldn't be able to do a Unimind because right. that would like there's something inherently special about that that couldn't be faked. So if it, if there's any character that could be a scroll, it ha- would have to be him. Yeah. Um, uh, and he was good. He was. Yeah. He was funny. He was very. I liked. I liked. I liked their dynamic. Um, yeah. Quite a bit. Um, so so as we wrap this up, let's just talk about the the sort of like actual ending before the before the, all of the after credit scenes that we mentioned. Um, yeah. So so they the I thought because the, their initial plan in this film uh, is Druig. They're gonna like perform this Unimind based on um, uh, Fastos's technology, and then uh, Druig's gonna try to mind control the Celestial to go back to sleep. Um, that always felt, I think in the moment and it's supposed to like, kind of like a, what? Again, yeah. what? Like that doesn't quite work. Uh, then that doesn't go according to plan. Uh, and I thought what was going to happen based off of, um, uh, Cersei's ability to all of a sudden transmute thing, living things as well as not living things. Right. I thought that, and that does play into it, but I thought she was going to, transmute sort of the earth to let the celestial be birthed harmlessly somehow like and get out of the earth and and i was like that would have been neat but i also like that would have been the way and it's funny i think if that had happened i would have been disappointed because there would have been no loss anywhere it would have been everyone gets cake yay like whereas this she basically mercs a celestial to save the earth and they kind of hand wave it like they like when the Unimind happens, she says something like a throwaway line of like, "Oh, Tiamat was with us, and like he helped us." Like right, yeah. Like because maybe Tiamat thought that Earth was worth saving as well, and they they kind of like try to limit the sting. But she does basically murder a life giving machine to save mm-hmm. a bunch of people, and then of course, um, uh, Big Daddy God Six Eyes, um, whose name we can't remember ever. Um, Starts with an A, ends yeah. with other letters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, shows up in the sky, which again, could you imagine that? <laughs> right? Like, even in a post snap world, if the snap was real, but then that just showed up, mm-hmm. wh- how would how would any of us continue to do anything? It's especially like a day or like a, a, a some small amount of time after the Tiamat is destroyed, and then everybody's like, "What's this different thing in the ocean?" Like. It may be something, and then one of those guys just shows up and is like, uh, um, I know, like, there's people out there that have, like, their phones out, I'm pretty sure, in the background, like, people are going to know that they're Celestials now, which I'm sure in the comics the people of Earth are kind of aware of, because the idea of the dreaming Celestial or some sort of, like, you know, Celestial that's just standing around is something that has has popped up before yeah but yeah that is a lot to take in i almost feel like when galactus shows up everyone's gonna be like oh it's just here to get her again cool. okay yeah yeah <laughs> she's in uh she's in england this time again uh we'll, we'll tell her yeah. uh she'll she'll come out and then yeah just starts eating everybody um the, the sheer scale they did with that character especially in the first moment when ajak talks to him uh yeah i thought that was do- i mean i don't know i i this is one of those movies where i'm like I could see myself going back and seeing it in IMAX. And a lot of the yeah. recent Marvel movies, I have not felt that way, even if I've enjoyed them. Um, 
I don't know the, the 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 scale of that. I would like to see in a full periphery peripheral vision, sort of taking up the space. Yeah, I liked how like in the when the um, Tiamat is emerging at the in the beginning, you see kind of like what does look like the head of a celestial coming out of the ground, and then that's just a top of a finger, yeah. and then it's the whole hand. Like I do, I do think. Even if you freed it, I'm like, man, we can't spare that much mass. That's going to cause some, there's going to be sinkholes all over. But um, (laughs) the idea that it's just, but also like in the, in the Marvel comics, there's also, you know, the mole people living under the earth and stuff. So who knows what's actually going on down there? (laughs) And well, yeah, if it, like, I, I do think. I don't know a ton. Of, I know like flat earth is like is very silly. I don't know how many people believe in the hollow earth and if sure. that's a real thing. But like after Godzilla, I'm like, they're definitely going to do that in the Marvel stuff. And yep. it's going to seem dumb. But also it's a good way to write in specific things that are supposed to keep being alive in these. Uh, in the, I guess that's what Aqu- Aquaman did something yeah. similar to that. Yeah. I guess you just run out of space to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to do shit. Well, and like we did it in Shang Chi, where it's like there's a hidden world, and it's really just a portal to another dimension. But there's a whole new, and yeah, every yeah. maybe third or fourth Marvel movie has to has to involve like has to involve some sort of like new plane of existence, and some of them are in the Earth, some sort of multiverse of madness. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, let's see. We uh, final thoughts. Uh, I'll let you wrap it up just because uh, I'm interested. I think I, my my thing basically is I liked this movie fine leaving the theater. And upon thinking about I've actually thought about this way more than I have Shang-Chi, Black Widow or Far From Home in a post thing. I think this is trying at least whether or not it succeeds or not, it is trying to say more things than those films were. Again, I liked those films, but I I didn't like sit at my desk and be like Oh, that's so interesting that Fastos actually like switched from like like not caring, da, 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 you know. So mm-hmm. this I think takes big swings and doesn't connect with all of them. But I like that. Like I like that it's this might be the outlier of the Marvel machine where it doesn't fully feel uh, like all of the stuff we've seen before. And even for me personally, those familiar moments—the comedy, the sort of the way the dialogue is written many times—were the the hitch points for me. Like right. I, they were the ones where I was like, "Stop it! Like you're you're doing this different thing. Do the thing. Like don't just keep coming back." So I I um I would recommend this movie to folks. I would even say you I would love for someone who has never seen a Marvel movie before oh, yeah. to watch this, and I'd love to pick their brains. Um, yeah. But yeah, those I, people we gotta like we gotta go into the Amazon and like find. <laughs> You know, I, I read a book. I can't remember what it was called about Star Wars, where part of the beginning of it is them talking about like this guy has been like, I wanted to find people that had never seen Star Wars and weren't even familiar with any of the concepts and show it to them. And they're like, it's just borderline impossible to find people that just don't know who Darth Vader is, don't know what the force is like. So, yeah, finding the people who have not seen or heard of any Marvel stuff is uh increasingly harder and, and harder yeah it will be incredibly difficult but the the yeah i i would recommend seeing this movie i actually had quite a good time uh nando tell me what are your final thoughts on this film i liked it i think i have to i do want to see it again i feel like there are bits that in the grand scheme of like who is gonna kill the eternal or celestial or whatever <laughs> like there's enough bits where i'm like in the moment really into the big plot and I know I like the smaller interactions between the characters but because of the 
stakes I wasn't really able to focus on them so I think seeing a second time seeing it a second time and just going like I'm just here to enjoy Gilgamesh and his his relationship with you know Athena and yeah. whatever's going on there and like seeing those smaller scenes that I think played out in, in a way that was pretty interesting like there was one bit that kind of stuck with me so like speaking of things that didn't didn't work yeah it's good to see them next to each other the Ikea joke which uh, I think pretty everyone's kind of decided we weren't huge fans of <laughs> Um, right before that, there's the bit where like Cersei and Icarus are in his living room and they're both listening to him to Fastos talk with his husband, whose name I can't remember. Uh, or, or maybe Uh, Ben, I forget. What is it? Ben. The husband's name was Ben. Oh, maybe he's a scroll. Maybe he is. Maybe the kid's a scroll. Maybe Jack's the scroll. Oh, (laughs) that would be so funny. And then Saudi Arabia would be like, oh, so it wasn't a gay relationship. Actually, we will show this in our theaters. It was someone, an evil person pretending like we all thought. But but the idea that... uh, there's there's that bit where they're listening and then he comes into the room and then it, like Cersei runs back to the table, grabs a paper or something, pretends to be reading, and then Icarus on the same table steals the paper from her, pretends to be reading, and then she like pretends to be playing with something on the table. Like I think there was an interesting energy where you like in a lot of these scenes where you do get a sense that these people are like old friends or like a family and they the there, there was a lot of chemistry between most of the leads. Yeah, and a familiarity. I, I, yeah, yeah. I want to get back there. I want to get back and just watch for that and know that, like, eventually they're all gonna do cool punches and stuff. And I, yeah, I think, I think it was overall pretty fun. And I liked. We haven't talked about him, but I liked Harry Styles uh, enough as as Star Fox, a character who I keep having to explain to people as like, listen, his power is weird. And it's bad, and they figured it out like in the 2000s, and now we all know it, and that's kind of part of it. Um, but I, I like the look of him, and Patton Oswalt as Pip the Troll is is pretty genius. I wish Patton Oswalt wasn't CG. I wish, yeah, that, I wish they just put prosthetics on him. Like it would have felt so nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think anyway, even if it was just light prosthetic, like I. I don't know. It just would have been really cool. I I was sad when he was CG. I mean, I love Patton Oswalt. I'm glad to see him in the MCU like this, but yeah. It's an interesting, like, I feel like that character's look, I feel like most of the costumes of the Eternals were kind of simplified to Mm -hmm. one color and a bunch of gold circles. And then you have Star Fox, who looks pretty similar to what I'd expect from him in the comics. And I was pretty impressed with that look. Um, And then Pip the Troll, who is just like, right out of the books yeah Uh, so it kind of doesn't fit there and in terms of like everybody else just looks like a human being wearing a suit um but i was just gonna say it's interesting because the uh his cg like we're we're not uh you know thanos rocket groot these are all like characters they've done in the past that like have weight and seem like they work very well but i feel like for like there's only so much time in the day and almost so much money that you can spend. I feel yeah. like with um with Patton Oswalt's character there, like it had that like CG floatiness where there was like no real weight to it. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. because they did it as a post credit sequence and they'll probably do it better when they do it later. But yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like it's it's also tough because he's like a weird he's got strange proportions because he's like a little troll man. So yeah. I, they had to like make make some choices and it's it's fine i think they got for me they got the like he's a big mess uh kind of <laughs> vibe of pip 
cor- like correct yeah. and they got they got the arrows so like he's he's very pretty and uh that that's pretty much it like he's kind of an airhead um I also think one of the things I think the the decision to make Icarus the bad guy is interesting uh, because it is consistent with how he's usually written in the comics. The um, Karen Gillan run from like a year or two ago has him described as just like he's an arrow. You pull him back and you shoot him at a thing and he kills that thing. And I do like that, like when you start humanizing these characters, which the other books are like pretty good at, but. But that book specifically, it like has him just as this thing who, you know, he pretty he does what he's told. So right. when the problem becomes like you have the most human characters versus the least human characters, and like, and I did like like there was there was a bit where we were watching it, uh, me and Hannah in like in the car, so we were talking yeah. to each other, and like Druig makes his little speech about the conquistadors, and we're like, oh, cool, he's the hero now. Like I, I and then he kind of turns bad a little bit but then pretty quickly you're like nah he's not bad guy he's kind of a jerk but also he's mostly right and then by the time there is that switch where Icarus is bad and Druric is now pretty much like standard heroic it's Mm -hmm. like this is what the movie should be about is the fight between these two characters uh like these two viewpoints about how the Eternals should deal with humanity I just yeah Looking back, I just really wish there was a little bit more time with Cersei in the beginning, dr- writing her as less of just like a passive kind of player in the world and more of like a character with general values. And I guess part of it is like she had to be written as not really knowing what to do and to have the so, other, yeah, yeah, and and like being the eternal who's kind of still hasn't really figured out what her life is like um like i did like that bit where king goes like all right everybody tell the dvd like the the vcr vcr what's it called camcorder what your thing is and she's like i turn rocks into this and rocks into this and it's not like yeah that's that's about what you know that's your imdb description yeah but what it who are you (laughs) um so it's tough when you're writing a character where their characterization in the beginning of the movie is they're kind of a blank slate uh, but I I do think that by the end of the movie I I dug them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have one last thing that bugged me. I just thought of it when you were talking about this, and I'll, I'll close out with this. When I think it was um, what characters Kingo was talking to one of the other characters in the ship when um, when uh, Makari had gathered all the things and they were talking about movies or something. And he's like, "Oh, I'll oh, give yeah. you a Blu-ray or whatever." And another character, I, I'm butchering this, but another character is like, "Blu-ray? No, 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 no. It's all about streaming now." And I was like, oh, and there yeah. was something in my in my in my Disneyometer in my mm-hmm. in my thing where I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. There's yeah. a nice throwaway line, haha, joke, funny. By the way, we're not going to be able to own physical media soon. And it's all going to be streaming. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to own anything, and now you'll just have to be at the whims of whatever's out of the vault at whatever time. And yeah, I was we like, we'll all be Macari racing around the world trying to get Snow White on DVD or something. To the point, the only way to see it. To the point where I just bought. <laughs> Like literally, I was thinking about that. I was like, I need to buy Black Widow and Shang Chi. I was like, I, I like, it yeah. Did, I mean, I'm still giving the money. They're still winning. They're, I'm not. I'm not the winner here. Um. So I, I, I bought Black Widow, which finally dropped on Blu-ray, and I pre-ordered Shang Chi because I'm, I just like having all the Marvel films. But like, I'm a big proponent of physical media in general. Even though, I mean, disc-based media won't last forever anyway. But 
Anyway, different different topic. I just yeah, I found that an interesting dig at like the way we consume media and the way Disney wants us to consume media. Mm-hmm. Um, that is funny, and yeah. they did. It's funny because they value they valued streaming, but then they also had um, they had the bit where Kingo and Druig are talking, and Kingo's like. I direct and it's like, what do you direct? It's like some web content. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. streaming good web content, web content bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, that, that, that doesn't do a lot for our industries there. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, this has been the only podcast about the films eternals. Matt, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me about this. This was two Matt's no waiting. This was this That's was true. Yeah. very very nice. When uh, where where can folks find you and all of the awesome things you do across the interwebs? So um, obviously YouTube channel Nando Few Movies. I I tell people just usually if you have a platform, put Nando Few Movies in, and I'm probably there. Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that yeah. stuff. Um, besides that, I have a podcast called Mostly Nitpicking where we talk about movies in uh the context of like funny little details about them like i'm sure the question of like what do we do now that eternals are you know like or that celestials met the world uh yeah like how how is that going to affect world religion and stuff like that uh so that is is so again it's called mostly nitpicking that is on um you know podcast stuff podcast and yeah and then the other thing which i'm plugging now just because it's my favorite is um I was on an episode of um of um actually the game show on the Dropout oh, Network. Oh shit! Yeah, it was it was me, Matt Mercer, and Matt and Matt. So you can't. It's impossible to be in an environment without another Matt. Uh, uh, I think like so. You, I think we've got the singularity. Yeah, exactly. So it's me, Matt Mercer, Haley Mancini. Very fun. Uh, it's only on Dropout, uh, and uh, it is. So I I tell everybody that listens to any of my things just. Get a trial, watch it. I think Dropout has a lot of great stuff, but definitely make that the first thing you watch so that they know that that is a great that getting me on is a great idea. I think they should do like a YouTuber episode and like get a bunch of us people on. That'd be very fun. I think we'd be good at it. I yeah, think we're, it's I think, literally I think our job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so, so cool. That, I will check that, that out. That is fucking awesome. It's yeah, on it Dropout. Great. Yeah, and okay. drop out like besides Dimension Twenty, which I know a lot of people watch. I love Game Changers on that network, and I love and I love them actually. But um, their show Breaking News is like my favorite thing now, where they have a bunch of comedians pretend to be news anchors reading a news crawl designed to make them laugh that they've never seen before, and the idea is they shouldn't laugh and they lose points when they do. It's it's always super funny. Nice. That's so, almost yeah. That that yeah. feels very. It's not the same format, of course, but the vibe of it, at least from what you're describing, sounds a lot like a sort of NPR, wait, wait, don't tell me. A little it, bit, yeah. Like, again, not structurally, just I was like, ah, I enjoy this thing. This would be a nice, you know, mm-hmm. sort of style of that. Well, that's very cool. Yeah, um, so those those are my things that I, I, I don't, I'm sure there are other things that I should be mentioning, <laughs> but those are the big ones is my YouTube channel, mostly nitpicking, and then my my episode of I'm actually on on dropout. That's but, great. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. And of course, everybody, you can find me at all of my uh, not as cleanly laid out socials as Nando. Um, you can find me at my website m a t t h e w k r l dot com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor the number four P R E Z on Instagram or Emperor M S K on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits. I believe by the time this drops, we will be doing what's happening. We just released our So You Haven't Read on To Kill a Mockingbird, and it's. Uh, 
uh, let's say oh. it's complicated relationship with the United States uh, education system, and uh, mm. we're in the middle of our Conquest of India series, um, which is uh, one of the most fascinating historical paradoxes I think I've ever seen. Um, anyway, tune in next week when either, depending on the schedule, Shahir will kill <laughs> me for this, we're either going to be doing a retrospective on Yitumama Tambien with a special guest or be Ooh. releasing Titan. I don't know which one it's going to be. Um, so it's going to be two different flavors. They're both great. And uh, hopefully you can come check that out. Matt, thank you again so much for coming Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Pleasure. This, this was a blast. And uh, yeah. we will talk to all of your ear holes later. Bye, everybody. Bye.